Hey, welcome to the Art Condition Podcast, a weekly show that will discuss the business, community, and often undiscussed stress and mental health concerns of being a professional artist or even a serious hobbyist. I'm Joby. I've been in the tattoo and illustration professions for 25 years. My co-host is Moose, a data analyst, social media manager, and art agent. If you enjoy the content, please consider visiting the Patreon page and the show notes to help support the effort. Or if that's not an option, please like, subscribe, leave a good review, or just share with your friends. And definitely go visit the links of our guests on this episode. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. Arlie, thank you so much for being here with us. This is going to be a great conversation. I um, am going to, for those listening, um, if I seem even a little bit more out of it and discombobulated than usual, I'm fighting a bit of a head cold. So bear with me. And Farley, I know you're struggling with some, uh, some things as well. So we're, <laughs> we're going to, Moose is, Moose is going to tighten this ship up for us as, as needed. No gonna, pressure, Moose. No prove, pressure. <laughs> prove his worth. Um, um well, Thank you for having me too. I'm I am also battling like I'm battling a chest cold and I'm an asthmatic, so I have like my inhaler at the ready, cough drops in my mouth. So um, I really appreciate you opening up your platform for me to come on though and have a dialogue about what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, fantastic. So leading into that, let's talk about you first. Uh, give us a little <laughs> bit of let's get give us a little bit of your background. Um, I know you have an extensive background in marketing. Um, maybe tell us a little bit about that, but also how artwork ties into that, how you came to art and where you are today. Sure, sure. Uh, so first of all, hi, I'm Farley. I am a uh, traditional, mostly traditional artist, and I am also a streamer here on Twitch. That's how I met Joby. And um I've just really fallen in love with the community here. It's probably been, been one of the most welcoming communities I've ever been a part of on any type of platform. So first of all, thank you to Joby and to Moose for having me on. Uh, so a little bit about me. In 1980, I'm just joking. Uh, but I, I, my basic business background was, um, you know, after getting out of college, I had no idea what I wanted to be doing. I stitched together a degree, as I think a lot of creatives sometimes do, because we're told forever, you know, you can't make a career in art. What, what's, your, what's your main job going to be? Which I think is very toxic to put into people's heads anyway at the very beginning. But as I was exiting college, I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to be doing. So um, I, I kind of meandered about a year and a half and then I found myself at an association for aviation. I had never really done any aviation work before. It It is in my family, but I really wasn't paying attention when my grandparents or my, you know, my family were talking about it. Uh, and so it was just one of those things where I was just constantly learning on the fly. There was a bit of excitement to it, but there was also a lot of hustle behind the background um, or behind the scenes. And um, and so I spent 10 years at this association. I moved my way up from administrative assistant to executive assistant to then uh, director of sales and then director of sales and marketing. 
And uh, from there, I just got this, um, this itch. I think that a lot of us experience where we're like, I just want to be creative. I don't want to have to do uh, the nine to five, eight to five anymore. And I just want to focus on my art. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And so um, as the years went on, I started to build up my savings, started to build up a timeline to when can I leave? When can I make art my full-time job? And it was always just so convenient for me to stay at this job. And then one day I had pretty much had it, like it had been, been building up for a while and I pretty much had it. And then March of 2019 was when I finally said goodbye on great terms with the association and my peers. But I was like, you know what, I'm going to just try it. If, if not now, then when? So I went on to trying to build a lot more of my career up. Luckily, I had a great base of commissions that I had already done while I was at the Aviation Association. But now I was like, now I'm on my own. What do I do? <laughs> and from there, once again, I was learning on the fly. I was trying to put myself into an industry that I really didn't feel like I had a lot of knowledge in, even though my professional career had a lot of marketing and sales background. How do I apply that to art? How do I apply that to myself? And so that was the challenge at this point. And then 2020 happened. And we all know how that impacted the world. And I, I, the more conversations that I have, uh, because March, or no, I'm sorry, May 2020 is when I started to stream fully. And the more conversations I kept having with artists, it was about how social media wasn't working for them, how marketing wasn't working for them and how they were on the struggle bus. And the more and more I kept talking to people about what marketing actually is, the more surprised faces I got. And that's why I feel like this opportunity to speak with your audience and reconfirm it with my audience's brain, brain set is um, so important because we really need, as artists and creatives, we really need to reframe how we look at marketing. 1,000%. Right, we were talking with uh, Brian a few uh, weeks ago, and uh, one of the questions came up was, what was the difference between advertising and marketing? And I think even still today, when we talk about marketing, I still de default to thinking about advertising, even after our conversation with him. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, one yeah. of the, um, uh, just to piggyback on that, um, you know, one of the uh, driving principles behind this podcast is to educate myself <laughs> as much as anybody else. Um, I feel unqualified to discuss a lot of the topics that we delve into on this, you know, so it's by way of me trying to understand these concepts, we have an interview. <laughs> and even in yeah. the and, and even in the lead up to this conversation, you know, there was a little mm -hmm. bit of back and forth um, about, you know, kind of like narrowing in on like what your you know, area of expertise is or your, you know, your specialty in marketing. Um, and I was sort of like, you know, reaching out to uh, other um, communities and stuff, you know, like, hey, we're going to be talking to, you know, marketing, someone with marketing expertise. What kind of questions would you like to ask them? Um, you know, here's sort of their their thing. And 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 I would encounter the same misconception, like, well, it isn't that just social media? Like, you know, like, well, you know, or, a lot of questions revolving like around social media. Um, yeah. And so you in some of those discussions, you 
describe your area of focus more as target marketing rather than social media. Um, and I think a lot of people immediately fuse those two together. And it's like social media has dominated our conversation so much. It's like, well, target marketing, isn't that just what I do on social media? So can you exactly. distinguish between those two things? Like how does, how does target marketing or marketing in general differentiate itself from what people do with social media and where are the overlaps? Sure. Uh, so I think that there is a notion that social media uh, is like the end all be all. That's the only way that you can get the word out. When social media is a tool you use to get the word out. So marketing as a whole, if you take any type of marketing 101 class, you're going to be basically learning about um, what we call the four P's. It's product placement, pricing and promotion. Promotion is the very last one. And that's where social media falls into. That's the, that's the tool. That's the tool that you use to promote. Everything else bundled together is what actual marketing is. And so a lot of marketing is actually being very introspective about what you're marketing, the product, the pricing, where you're going to be doing it at. That all falls into marketing. So although social media is wonderful, uh, that's not actually what marketing is. It's a tool to be able to push out the message. Um, so what, a lot of things that I get uh, in conversation and through DMs and messages and everything, especially once people find out that <laughs> I have a background in marketing is, you know, well, what do I do? And so I ask them back, well, what do you want to accomplish? And you will be very surprised of how many just blank, <laughs> like blankness I get, or like, I, I don't know. And I think that's the end all be all, like that we have to know going into developing a marketing plan. What's what? What do we want to accomplish by this? As an artist, as a creative, and what do we want to promote? Do we want to promote ourselves? Do we want to promote our artwork? And figuring out um, based off of pretty crucial questions that I don't think a lot of us ask ourselves, and kind of pinpointing what actually makes sense for us instead of just pretty much going like this, throwing darts into a void and hoping something sticks. Um, so in preparation for this, I did write down some of the questions that I like to ask people before we ever go into actually pinpointing plans. And one of them is, well, what do, what do you want to accomplish? Um, the second one is, who do, who do you want to target? And, and, and that's, I think that's something that we as a people don't ask ourselves enough. It's easy to say, well, I want to target everyone. <laughs> and that's not really, it's not really feasible in, in, in regards to us. Not everyone is going to resonate with what we're doing. Not everyone is going to see our piece and be like, that's what I want on my wall. So for example, and just to give a little disclaimer to your audience uh, as well, I like to use examples to illustrate my point. So if I go off on a tangent, I apologize. But for example, let's say I was a sports artist. I really enjoy drawing different sports teams and, and everything like that. I, I probably, unless I had experience otherwise, I would not want to invest my money in going to um, a pet expo to try to sell my sports pieces. So the first question is, who do I want to target? I want to target the people 
who enjoy watching that team, who are invested in their time and their money into that team. That's who I want to sell to. So I think that who do I want to target is incredibly important. Uh, then the next one is why do I think, and then you can fill in the blank here, will help me get there. Why do I think Facebook's going to get me there? Why do I feel like IG is the right thing for me? Why do I think streaming on Twitch is going to be good? Um, knowing why we're doing something is it's going to save us time and it's going to save us frustration and energy going out. Um, the next one is when am I going to implement these things and is it plausible to do it in a schedule that makes sense? So I'll give you an example based on my own experiences. When I first went freelance in March, I tried to do everything under the sun except for Twitch. <laughs> I tried to make up a Patreon and, you know, try to build my audience there. I tried to like uh, do a lot of email marketing. I try to do Facebook blasts. I try to stream on Facebook. I tried to do all these YouTube videos. And I was failing at all of them because I didn't have enough time to actually devote to all of these different things. Because we all have 24 hours within a day. We need to sleep. We need to eat. We need to take some time for ourselves as well. We don't want to be sitting in our space for 24 hours a day trying to make it work. So that's another thing is, is tweaking it to your schedule. And then how am I going to achieve these goals? This is the where the action plan comes into. And this is where you really focus on the, if you want to spend advertising, looking at the ROI or the ROE, which is return on investment and return on experience. Um, that's where you want to devise a plan if you're going to start doing cons. Um, I mean, when more cons are becoming available. That's or online when you conventions. That's true. That's true, too. That's true, too. And, and I do know in some areas, smaller cons are opening up more. Um, so I sufficiently rambled for long enough, but those are usually the questions that that spark whoever I'm talking to uh, to get kind of get a jump start on looking inwards and really focusing on what they want to be doing. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to derail your your train of thought. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. Um, and you that was and it wasn't a ramble by any means. It it covered um. I covered a, a lot of territory in, in a in a good way. There's there's one aspect of of what you talked about that I, I want to narrow in on just a, a little bit more. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it, was, it was kind of in general what you you were talking about, but it's something for me and maybe a lot of other people that might get a little bit knotted up um, in those in, that initial question. You know, like what do you want to accomplish? Who do you want to target? There's this um, sort of chicken egg experience that I have, you know, where I, I don't know enough to know what I don't know or what, or what mm -hmm. I, sh what I should be knowing, you know, and, and, and certainly those questions begin to point in that direction, but then it's like, well, what do I want to accomplish? It's like, oh, um, like that's a stumper right there for, for some people, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and it, I guess if you have like a very easily identifiable, um, thing that you do, you know, like you mentioned the the example of like a, a, a sports artist or whatever. Um, but there, there might be places where it gets a little bit more fuzzy, you know, like who, who I'm, or 
it's not even just that like it's hard for me to identify the person or the people but like maybe there's like a, a, a kind of like a wide range like i do fantasy art but fantasy art could be so many things to so many different people so can you maybe talk a little bit more about that that some things that we can do as artists to uh giving ourselves a frame of reference i guess is what i'm what i'm thinking you know what i mean like without we're sort of in this nebulous void of like well, what do i want to accomplish and who do i want to target but compared to who compared to what where am i in this space does that make sense Mm -hmm, for sure. Okay. So I know like you and I have discussed a lot about local target marketing and as a fantasy artist, whatever that may fall into under the umbrella, I feel like your opportunities could be endless because not only could you, not only could you be working for different types of games or um, like board games, card games, uh, providing character illustrations or art to, um, to video games, uh, to like make having commissions with people who are invested in D and D characters or Magic of the Gathering. Um, there are so many different groups that you could be able to reach out to to promote yourself. I think a lot of times as creators, we kind of get stuck in this cycle of talking to each other about stuff, about our artwork, and like and sharing not only in our grievances, but in our successes, which is amazing. But you also could be talking to another fantasy artist. They may not necessarily want to purchase something from you. So it's one of those things where you look, you could look into your community or into more local or, um, I'm sorry, more closed communities. So uh, a good place. And I know a lot of people think Facebook is antiquated. <laughs> But I will say there are a lot of people still on that platform for a reason and still a lot of people that may have money in their pockets, especially now that we're coming up into the holiday season and people are starting to look for gifts. So it's one of those things where why not just try and join a group, like talk to the people who are moderating it, join a group whose, whose list is already invested into the fantasy world. You never know who you're going to meet. There could be an author in there that's writing a fantasy novel. There could be a, a couple of people who are wanting to start up their own game. The opportunity for collaborations or for exploration on the direction, once you start these conversations, can be endless. But you just need to know the types of people you want to talk to. And to start off with, it needs to be people who are already invested in what you're doing. They may not know it yet, but because of the passion that you have for that particular uh, niche, like they're already going to be invested in it because they all they they too have that passion for that niche. Does that make sense? Did I answer yeah. your, your question a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> no. Um. You 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 did. Um. It it occurs to me that it's a an evolving process. Um, yes. it's, it's probably not something that you're going to sit down and figure out in an evening or even a weekend or, or, you know, no. whatever. Yeah. And this that's, is, I, I feel ahead. like that's with any, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, no? just with your evolving it, that's how it is in any type of job. If we look at our art as part of a job, we don't go into, I mean, maybe, maybe you do, maybe someone would, like maybe they're at a per particular time in their life where they want an admin job and that's all they want to do. They want to come in, do their work and then leave and then 
I know moose sometimes drops off. So. Yeah, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, some people may want that, but for if you don't want that, you're not going to want an admin job and then only stay there for the next 10 years. You're going to want to evolve into something different, either at that company or a different company. So it's always going to be an evolution and mm. you never know where it could go, which is part of the exciting part, but also part of the terrifying part, especially as a freelance and independent artist, because your year is not stable. <laughs> and I, I think that that was something I heard a lot before I got into freelance art is that when you're first getting into it, especially, and you don't have a solid client base, either company or individual wise, your years are like this income wise, emotional wise, like it's just an ever evolving mess, a chaotic mess sometimes. But that's kind of what pushes some people, even though it may frustrate, it's that evolving that's that can be so exciting as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah. So do you do you ever find there being a slippery slope involved, you know, where you, it's, you start lots of conversations. It can be easy to go down rabbit holes, you know, and start mm-hmm. chasing things um, that may not be best suited for you. I don't have like a concrete example in mind, so I'm speaking kind of abstractly, you know, but have, has it ever been your experience or do you have an example of like where, you know, like something kind of slid off the rails, you, you're, trying to research, do research for yourself, trying to figure out where you should be, who you should be talking, where you, yeah, where you should be, who you should be talking to. And then, but then you kind of get diverted and you're like, oh, actually now I'm in this like group of people I thought might have been, you know, like my audience or my market or whatever. And that, does that ever happen? Oh yeah. All the time. I mean, Mm. I, I don't really know of a lot of people who don't, when they start something, they either don't know what it's going to turn into, either big or small, and they have to reshift focus. I, I feel like there are reasons why, let's look at this kind of, I don't want to say corporately, but let's look at this as a business model. There are a lot of times where businesses have to refocus their mission based off of the economy, based off of their membership, based off of their clientele. Like there are a lot of times where there are meetings, sit down meetings, either with a staff or with the board that have to reshift that focus. And I think that it's really good to keep ourselves open to that. Now, I will say I have too fallen into the there's like the world is our banquet and then committed myself to way too many things and kind of pieced myself out way too much with really no direction. I'm not trying to sit here and say, yeah, I'm perfect and I've done everything right. (laughs) I think a lot of my learning, especially with the art world, has been by like trial by fire, to be completely honest. Um, It is a different mindset when, uh, when I'm looking introspectively to when I'm exuding out to a company to advertise, like where to pinpoint their advertising and marketing dollars. So that's something that I've had to work on personally, as I've been trying to grow my freelance business. Um, I will say that we as creatives are, we love to explore for the most part. I feel like if we, if we didn't, then we would be fine 
you know, crunching numbers behind a desk somewhere. Not that there's anything wrong with that. We need those people out there too. But we also need to know what makes us creatives as well. It's part of that is the exploration process. And I have come to see social media is fickle, man. Like <laughs> you could be That's raking in the numbers one day. Yeah, exactly. I had to put it lightly. Uh, you could be raking in the numbers one day and then all of a sudden you post something and it doesn't resonate with your normal crowd and you could drop off the face of the earth and just like that. It's happened to me. And that's why I'm saying don't put all of your stock into social media. It's a great tool to use, but it's not the end all be all for getting for connecting and getting your message to the people that you want to. Now, as far as like realizing you've been putting a lot of investing a lot of time and maybe money into targeting the wrong crowd, that's a time to stop. Ask yourself these questions again and reform, reformulate that last one of how do I get how do I get there? What's my new action plan? There's nothing wrong with admitting that this one didn't work. That's fine. I mean, we all fail. We all fail. We all stumble. It's getting back up and instead of wallowing in the self-pity and thinking, oh, I'm never going to be able to achieve this, my whoever, insert name here, was right, I'll never be able to make it as an artist. No, reformulate your action plan and try it again. And that's, that's what we keep need, needing to retell ourselves. We have a related question in chat um, by Visual Nomad. She asks, uh, how do you balance creativity and business? She often finds it that Business, oh. uh, uh, oh. business suffocates her creativity. Ooh. And when I, I, I've talked to people before and I give them advice and they think it's like too formulaic and then they just lose interest in uh, the process at all just mm -hmm. because it's, you know, too dry for them. It, it stifles their creativity. That's part of it though. I mean, I hate to, I hate to be so blunt, but I, that's a hard lesson I had to learn too. The creativity part of being a freelance artist is this amount and a scale of this much. It's a business. It's a business. So if you don't feel comfortable or you feel like it's stifling you, if there's anyone in your life that has any type of business acumen or that loves to work with numbers or anything like that, maybe talk about a trade or something, maybe ask them for their help, at least to set up templates for you to make it easy to go in and plug in numbers, how to file your receipts. We unfortunately have to know as a business owner, as a freelance artist, how to take care of our business, um, as well as what we're producing creatively, create creatively, <laughs> creatively. Um, and I hope that doesn't come off harsh, but that is like a hard reality I really had to understand. One that I have been struggling with and one that I struggle with to this day. And that's why I'm so passionate about it is because if you don't start before you jump into the freelance, you're going to feel like you're drowning the entire time. So I would say get someone in your in your camp that is team you and I'm so sorry if you can hear the sirens, by the way. That's all right. <laughs> I live kind of close to a, a street <laughs> that has a lot of activity. Um, as long as it's not your house that's on fire, we're good. No, yeah, right, we're right. good. We're good. Hopefully my husband will come in and get me. <laughs> um, but that, that's what I would say is try to put people around you that believe in you, support you. Man, something's really going on. I hope, <laughs> I hope everything's okay, too, with whatever's happening. Uh, 
But yeah, I'm whatever. I'm so sorry. I just saw someone say, "Let's do this." It's Sirens Classic Farley. I know if you've ever been into my streams, you know Sirens are a regular thing. I'm so sorry. So do you have an emote for them? <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't want to encourage. <laughs> oh my god! That's a good That's... idea, though. <laughs> Great talk about marketing. <laughs> Who's giving who lessons here? Yeah, I know, I know. I, I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> um, I, I, I again don't want to uh, derail your train of thought with the 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 business thing. We can we can come back to it. I just want before I forget, I wanted to interject. Um, the I think the necessity of a of a little bit of harshness. So I almost kind of like respect that a bit more when people are, are a little bit more firm and blunt with artists. Um, because I, I, the, the more that artists get it, um, the more that they internalize it and get comfortable with this idea that it is a business, the, the sooner they'll be able to shed this oppressive stigma that art isn't business it's fanciful and 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 vapid you know this isn't a, a a worthy way of making a living you know all of those kinds of things that like shitty parents tell you and shitty friends and all of the things that artists encounter as far as like you know like why this isn't worth anything to the world we need to totally get rid of that and hammer it into our brains that no this is a business and it is okay for you to treat it as such and figure out what are the ways that you're going to make a living. It's okay to want to make money doing this. Let me just put that out there. That's okay. And, and, and as far as it's stifling creativity for me, one thing that has helped is compartmentalization where this is creative time. This is business time. And I keep the two distinct and, and I, and I don't think about the, business when i'm thinking about the creativity i know that business is on fridays and tuesdays or whatever you know and and so i don't i can it's almost like i'm a i can be a different person i can role play this completely different character on fridays and tuesdays that's when i put my business this is my podcast hat but on my business hat and i do you know what is required of me for that that kind of helps separate those those two things so you know like i almost like i become that person that you were talking about in your you know if there's somebody in your life that has a little bit of this know-how i try and be that for myself and pretend that like split personality or whatever (laughs) anyway well i think i think we all have different strengths we all have gifts that come more easy to us than other people and you would be surprised in your already formed relationships whose gifts uh, could help each other. I, I have a friend who who has a business and she was talking about starting, like looking into podcast uh, information. And I was like, well, I could edit your audio. That's not a problem. And just by her talking about it, like sparked some ideas for me. And now we're possibly thinking and talking about me creating artwork for some of her taglines. And that's what I'm kind of saying is you really don't know, even with your friends, like where a conversation could lead you to artistically, business-wise, that could be profitable for both of you and where to take that. But um, I know we're kind of getting off on a tangent, but I just, I think 
for me, and this is something that I learned when I was very young, was it's all in who you know. It's all in who you talk to, who you network with. It's who you know. And um, it's not a bad thing. It, it Sometimes it can be seen as a bad thing, like, oh, you're using them or um, that uh, you, you're just interested in talking to me to get something out of out of me. But that's not what, to me, that means. To me, that means you have no idea when you talk to someone, what interaction, what reflection of you they'll take away with them. And in that, I have, um, I can, I can really talk to this about myself. So there was, um, I, I have a, uh, there's a, I, we all have followings, right? There was a person who has followed me for years, for years on on Instagram, and I know this because like she's been there since kind of the very beginning. So like you see someone like your photo enough times, it's like, oh yeah, I I, I registered this. Never once bought anything from me, and that's fine. But I want to say it was maybe about eight months ago, someone contacted me and said, hey, this person sent me your information. And now I, I want to ask you about pricing for a commission. So that person who's never really actually, we've never had a conversation before, they took away what I did harnessed it inside, like knew my work based off of what I've done in the past. And when something, when her friend's pet passed away, unfortunately, fortunately that's what a lot of my commissions have become. Uh, when her friend's pet passed away, she thought of me to memorialize that pet in the picture. So if we treat people with, well, decency, first of all, if we just treat people with decency. But if we also look at people with a networking mindset, I think that a lot of these things that seem so cumbersome and so overwhelming to us would start to not look that way because we have a team. We would be able to have people to bounce ideas off of or to be able to rely on I can hear the traffic. No, it's um, all right. It's not that. But bad. we we would be able to create these relationships and be able to um, rely on each other in that way. So again, everyone has their strengths. Everyone has their weaknesses. And sometimes it's okay to have to go up to someone and be like, "Yeah, I suck at this. Can you help me?" <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So in this idea of you know, social media not being the end-all be-all, trying to find other ways of thinking about marketing. Um, we've hit on a couple of things, I think, that have both had to do with um, finding your way into communities. Uh, you know, earlier mm-hmm. on in the, in the conversation, you talked about Facebook, which is a social media platform, but you were talking specifically about groups within Facebook that are particularly geared towards the type of um, interest that you might find for your art. And then now we were just talking about, you know, the sort of friends and, um, you know, people that we create networks with in the sort of natural evolving community building that happens just as a result of being a decent human being and making friends, right? Um, so is would you say that that's kind of a, a a key factor in disentangling ourselves from the sort of like 
uh, all powerful social media game that everybody, <laughs> you know, immediately wants to get the, the, the black hole of social media. It's like so <laughs> powerful, you know, like that's just yeah. boom, that's where everybody's racing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you have any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts, um, but uh, so I, I work in examples. So I will say this. When I used to work at the association, we we especially because this was around the time when a lot you saw a lot more transitioning to digital, uh, a lot more digital ads, more uh, tracking analytics, algorithms and all of these things that came with it. Yet the association, although starting to step their feet into into this new world as well for us, uh, we also still sent out <laughs> sent out um, information by faxing because we knew our demographic, we knew our membership, and we knew that a third of our responses were coming back by faxes. <laughs> so. Um, with that being said, I'm not telling people to like go and try to fax people things. That's not what I'm saying. It's, <laughs> <laughs> so that I, I don't I don't recommend that actually. Um, but it's looking at some of the things that we may have just kind of pushed to the side and reevaluating the importance of it. So, because I work in examples, uh, I will say when I first moved, uh, I I was originally from the Missouri area, Kansas City. Go Chiefs. <laughs> And uh, I moved to the East. <laughs> Moose, I'm sorry. <laughs> Moose is vigorously shaking his head. No, 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 no. I'm so, I'm so sorry, Moose. Go Ravens. Um, Let's go. Let's move on. <laughs> well, funny enough, I now live close to, closer to Baltimore than I do Kansas City. Uh, but I, when I moved, I was kind of like, oh, no. I thought to myself, my fan, my fan base, my regulars are going to now look at me and not think local anymore. And so what can I do to uh, try to make myself stay in the localness area of, of Kansas City? So what I did was I put together an email blast and it was targeting realtors in the Kansas City area. I already had knowledge of my parents' real estate agent and one other real estate agent that I met through past relationships. So I was like, well, that's that's a starting point. Uh, so I tailored each email to that specific contact and I offered incentives uh, for closing gifts. Uh, within that email, I also put three different pictures of my work that would portray the fact that I would be able to make great closing gifts for their clients. I offered gift cards as well, because I think especially um, when people think of art, sometimes they don't think of giving gift cards or um, incentives like that for other people to come and see your work. And so I offered them gift cards to put into their closing baskets as well. And then I linked to social media. So when I sent out the first email, it was it, uh, like I it was an email specifically towards them, but it was under it, anyone who fell into their branch of uh, the real estate company was able to take part in that. So that email got forwarded. It got um, my my socials started to grow a little bit more than I saw because people at least had it in their mindset. Maybe not now, but maybe in the future, I can hire this person for commissions. The other email that I sent that was to my parents' real estate agent, because of the forwarding that happened, granted, I sent one email 
to one person, I was able to get 11 commissions off of that email. And all I did was put in my time, construct it to, to target that specific audience, give them a discount if they preferred a client or if they purchased from me directly and the option of gift cards. I was able to get 11 commissions. Now, I understand that this doesn't tackle everyone under the art industry, but we have to start looking at ways of connecting with people and contacting people differently than posting, praying, and then hoping, and then posting again. That vicious cycle that we all have fallen under. Um, how can we reach our target mark? How can we get the attention of someone like in a different group maybe, but with our art? And how can we cater to them specifically? Because I don't know how many email, like spam emails you get, yeah. but I get a lot. And if we have a contact already, like a realtor specifically on the inside, who can at least vouch for our credibility as an artist or person in general, then we already have our, not even a foot, but a whole, like half of our body inside the door. Mm. The idea of uh, gift cards was novel. I haven't heard of any other artist offering gift cards, but I know that at conventions and uh, in general commissions, people often buy those commissions or uh, buy the art at conventions as gifts. So it makes sense to have a, a gift card uh, in your repertoire. I just don't know how to manage that. I mean, really, you just have to make it up and then send it. So if someone purchased something from me uh, within that incentive, I automatically, I, oh, that, sorry. I automatically gave them a $25 gift card. That was good mm. for my shop towards future commissions because that was my way of saying, thank you. They could either use it for themselves or they could give it to someone else. And then that's one more person that will be, that will be touched <laughs> by my information. And right. so like all you have to do is make it up. And then when they come in to redeem it, if they come in to redeem it, because I will say the amount of time someone has like purchased a, a gift card for me and then actually that other person has used it has been very slim. But at the same time, if it if it shows more of an ROE return on experience for the person who bought it, they're more likely to come back to me as well. Like, oh, you are so easy to work with. Look at how cute this was packaged, which is a whole other story. But, um, you know, like uh, I just I felt like I was talking to a friend more than this was just a business transaction. So it's taking also taking care of your customers as well, your current customers. Um, Sleepytron in the chat just popped up uh, a really good question. This is something that I always wrestle with myself. So I'm mm -hmm. super excited to see somebody else echoing it because whenever I vocalize it, I, maybe this is the way that I've been stating the case, but the way that Sleepytron puts it, um, what would you say to someone who thinks that it's not a genuine way of making connection to people and if it doesn't feel right to them? I have encountered multiple people who ethically are not okay making connections with people if there's even a little thought of, quote, good for business in the mm -hmm. equation. And I get stuck on that too because it's like if I have this in my mind of you know, the whole authenticity thing, you know, like be yourself, be authentic. But then now I'm thinking about being authentic and being myself as a, with this 
almost like ulterior motive. I know that's not what mm-hmm. it is, but it can feel that way. But what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, the thing is, is that um, <laughs> being authentic and being true to yourself. First of all, I'm an introvert. So already like it, it I, I exude fine for an introvert. Um, I'm not, I'm not what a lot of people typically think of as an introvert, but I've also been kind of brought up and trained to be this way as well. Um, so when when you're saying that you don't feel like it's genuine to make connections for like the good of a business, um, I want to ask you to maybe reframe that thought process. So it would be one thing if you actually despised a person and you went up to them and you were buddy buddy with them in person and you're like, yeah, let's do this, this and this together. And you secretly could not work with them like you. It made your skin crawl to be in the same presence as them, like to share the same energy levels. That's one thing. But meeting people, first of all, I think connection is just a human way of life. I think I think a lot of what this past year has shown us is our need for that as humans. And when I say like to think of relationships as a possible way to network or a possible way to connect with someone in that way, business opportunity, I'm not going into it thinking, so what can you do for me? Like with every single relationship, oh my gosh, first of all, that's so draining. Who wants to live like that? Like no one wants to live like that. But look at look at me and Joby and Moose. I met Joby, I think through maybe Scoobs's channel, or I actually kind of forget how we met. But through conversation. Scoob, yeah. yeah, I think it was Scoobs. Um, but through conversation and through just general interest, we were, I was able to come on here and share these ideas with you. That wasn't Joby talking to me to get something out of me. That wasn't me talking to Joby to get something out of him. It was, we had a mutual conversation or we had a conversation and a mutual interest in this topic and we wanted to share it with you all. So I think if we reframe how we think about making connections and networking, um, now, if it doesn't come naturally to you, that's that's a whole other topic. That is something that um, does require, like as as far as sales go, person to person sales or person to person connection. That's a little bit different. That is something good that social media can provide for you, or email marketing, or anything like that. Um, it's kind of like it takes a certain person to like make cold calls or cold call sales. Um, exuding out, like having having that repetitious conversation over and over. Not everyone's geared for that. Not everyone is geared to be out there on YouTube selling their art to the crowd and the masses or streaming on Twitch. So it's finding the things that you're comfortable with or being able to have these conversations with people you're comfortable with to be able to brainstorm out of that box. I personally don't know you, so I don't know what feels comfortable to you. Um, but it's one of those things where you you also like kind of what we were talking about earlier with asking yourself um, the five main questions. You you really just have to look inwards and think what if if you know showing at a convention is not what's comfortable for me and being out on the floor for that long. What what would make me feel okay? Like what where's where's the baby step that I could take? 
maybe it would be just like sending out an email here or there, or maybe it would be what you're doing already by posting your work. But at the same time, I don't want you to feel like just because you are not an exuding extrovert type of person that you can't do it because I'm not. That's I'm not an extrovert at all. Like I was very nervous to come on here <laughs> to be completely honest. Uh, but once once you start to practice these skills, it does get a little bit easier. So I, th I hope within that ramble, I was able to answer what you were saying or asking. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll let, uh, sleepy answer for themselves in the chat if they want from, for me personally, um, it, it, every time I hear a little bit more about that, this is a, a theme that kind of pops up every now and then over the course of these, we're only nine in, but, um, already, you know, I think it speaks to the value of that topic because it's popped mm -hmm. up a number of times just in nine episodes. Um, and every time I talk about it with somebody, I get, I feel like it, it's a little bit clearer for myself. You know, and, and just now I was thinking about, um, as you were talking, mutual aid and mutual benefit, you know, and, and we can think of it in those terms as much as, um, you know, a, a zero sum game of like, well, I'm getting something out of you and I win, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, we need, I mean, well, and, just and there me... are people. Oh, I'm mm -hmm. so sorry. Oh, not, well, I just wanted to finish that thought. You know, just like that again, hammering that idea of community um, and this uh, this idea of tribes. Seth Godin, I think, uh, wrote a book called Tribes. Maybe anyway, um, th that we don't we don't have like the extended family network anymore. You know, we don't have uh, the the close knit like immediate like actual physical tribe. So we have to find our tribe, you know, and that's some of like what you've been talking about as far as, you know, finding other people in your life that might know about some things and, you know, finding these connections and these networks that lend mutual aid. It's not just about you rising up, but everybody helping each other rise up. And it's, it's funny that you say that because, uh, I saw right before I, I joined you or I, I joined the uh, voice chat for Dis or on Discord. I saw that you had posted a Reddit thread in your Discord about underpricing yourself. And I think that's a huge way that we under we not only undercut ourselves if we do that, but we undercut the entire industry if we do that. And that's just one example of how we devalue not only ourselves, but each other and the work that we put in. There are so many ways that society already devalues artists and creatives in general that we can't be doing that to ourselves either. And I do, I, I have a different outlook than I think um, a, a lot of maybe advertising sales reps there's a there's because because like what you said in your in the um, about a previous podcast you had there is a difference between advertising and marketing, um, but it's just one of those things I knew coming onto Twitch I wanted to build up a community I wanted to have a I say safe space but a place where I could view um, and express my thoughts a place where we as artists could also have a ground to talk about our struggles and our realities. Because no matter what we put on social media, a lot of us are going through it. <laughs> a lot of us are, are having these struggles. 
And uh, for some of my regulars, like, you, you know that I'm not afraid to have a reality talk um, in regards to uh, the struggles that we face as creatives. And I think building up our communities with each other not only allows, uh, and I mean artists, art appreciators um, in, in general, um, not only would strengthen us and our knowledge base, but would also exude out to other people who may think that we're still just artists, you know, we don't, we don't understand, we don't, um, we're just, this is just a hobby for us that art isn't really needed in school systems or in, in life. And to that, I say, look at our art community on Twitch. I think we, I think we as a whole have more than proven that we are some of the nicest, most collaborative people ever and welcoming, inclusive people. Again, not everyone, but a lot of us are. And we're open to these topics of conversation and that a lot of us are on the struggle bus when it comes to this. And so I do think, I'm, I'm biased, I'm biased, but I do think that having and building a community is number one. Um, having a substantial great product is also up there too. But having people that not only support and encourage you, what you do, because I, I also think that we also have a lot of the in, inward demons as well, constantly mm -hmm. tearing us down and shredding us to bits. Um, but people to keep reminding us why we're doing this and, and the fact that we're doing a good job and we're trying our best. So, yeah. yeah. yeah the, the, the confronting those inner demons is, is a big part of this effort as well. Um, but getting back to the... Um, nuts and bolts of things. Yes. Um, Ugo yes. Jones in the in the in the chat asked a good question, um, and it it ties into a question that I uh, had gotten from somebody in another community. Actually, I had it more towards the end, but let's just tie them together. I'll ask Ugo's first, and then maybe the other one as a follow up. Um, are there any good resources available for doing market research when it comes to art? It seems many artists are reluctant to discuss business practices and sales or pricing. Something as simple as, how do you price competitively for Etsy? Or should you be investing in representation by a gallery? Yeah, so I have a really good book. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is called Pricing and Ethical Hand or Guidelines Handbook. Oh, and yes. I have the 15th edition. I can link it, oh shoot, or someone wants to like, link it for me. <laughs> this is what it is. And it is one of the best resources that I have found out there for artists. I welcome anyone who I talk to, if they ever have a question about what they're working on or what they're doing, I always ask them about their skill level. I ask them about how many hours they're putting in, what it's for, and I will look it up for them because not everyone wants to buy this big honkin' book. And I understand that. However, I do think that this has been one of the easiest ways, um, it hosts contracts, temp, the contract templates in here. It hosts pricing guides for skill level, for hours, for what it's going to. If you're a web designer, if you're a book illustrator, if you're um, going into video games, like it, it references so much. That's why it's so big. <laughs> but it is to me priceless because I feel like I, so I started off as a commission artist. And I started off doing charcoal portraits. 
and pet portraits. And that's kind of been my bread and butter. But the more I look into things inwardly and where I am right now in my life, the more I like thinking about illustrating and, and diving into book illustration and everything like that, I would have no idea where to start. Um, so this is my first resource. My second piece of advice is um, don't, I guess, to not fall into time-wasting pits of despair. If you have been trying something for a period of time and you haven't been seeing anything, maybe it's time to move on. Because if we think about it like we would a relationship, um, if someone's sucking out all of our energy, we may not knowingly, but subconsciously just not call them as much anymore. And why aren't we doing that for the platforms that we see? Just because it's working for this one person doesn't mean it's going to work for us necessarily. So just continuously posting, nothing happening, frustration happens, and then you fall into a pit of despair, and then you post again, and the cycle happens. So focus on what is already working for you, and maybe explore how you can focus deeper into that market, sector, platform, whatever. Um, let me see. Uh, another another great thing to do is, and I know the, I forget, is Brian, was that the person who was on here before, Brian, I know he said YouTube, which is awesome. But on top of that, find someone who is already doing what you want to do. So for me, that is in um, a person whose name is Catherine. I don't want to butcher her last name. I think it's Hilegas. Hilegas? <laughs> she is a, she's an illustrator and I believe she's done some book work as well, but she's, she works with companies. And um, I will, I encourage you to do this because even though in the past, it's been very much a closed behind doors type of scenario for us, I do think a lot more creators are sharing their behind the scenes, the struggles, the processes that they've gone through to get to where they are. She is actually the one who pointed me to this book. And so it's finding people who are already achieving what you want to achieve and seeing what their resources are. I think that's key. Because I could sit up here and say, well, this is how I do it. But if you're not wanting to do commission art, what does that mean to you? That doesn't mean anything. So mm -hmm. find someone who, who, yeah, jives with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's also take, there's like this uh, secrecy around prices, not only with independent creators with their price sheets, like uh, mm -hmm. people that uh, tend to put their price sheets publicly, Will often tend to have them low prices so they don't get yelled at online so there that skews it there and even on the higher end uh people will are they're more likely to be ghosted if they have high prices but it's taken me uh about two years to compile the list of how much people pay uh for different companies like a uh, paizo pays 150 dollars per illustration and that's considered garbage D, D pays 500 dollars per illustration and that's considered okay ish not really uh Hearthstone pays $1,200 per card illustration. Magic the Gathering pays between $1,000-$1,500 per card illustration. But then there's a secondary market that a lot, people, a lot of people don't know about where you can sell the originals of those Magic the Gathering for anywhere between $1,000-$40,000 to $40, per um, illustration original painting. Um, uh, Artifact pays $2,000 per card, and Runeterra pays between $3,000 and $10,000 per card, but they usually contract out the studios rather than individuals so that's what i've mounted a account uh a master the last couple of years but this isn't public right it, it exists and it can be shared around publicly but it's not public knowledge they don't post that on their website that's how much they pay 
-hmm. So uh, I had saw somebody on Reddit like a couple of weeks ago. They were saying D and D only pays two hundred dollars for illustration, so that's what I pay, and it's false. But they were able to get around get away with it because most people don't know how much D and D pays for their il character illustrations. Mm -hmm. I mean, most, and stuff like that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, as long as you can hold on to and remember what you're what you're going to say, um, because I so. just I just want to piggyback on what Moose was saying, you know, that idea of of ridicule is fascinating to me, you know, that like people will get shamed if they post their reasonable prices online and, and, and people will shit on them and to give them all kinds of crap for how much they're charging. And I and and I just I want to underline something I think that's very important is that like any if you see somebody shitting on somebody else's prices, you can immediately assume they don't know what they're talking about and you can disregard any information that they're giving you. Just walk into the situation with that under your belt. They just don't know. This is just these are opinions that have no basis in like any kind of like objective reality. And it's your job to find the context of your own reality. You have to find your what you were just saying before. You have to find your peers. You have to find the people that are in the same playing field. We're all in, even though we're all artists, depending on you know what type of art we're making, we're all in different playing fields. You have to find the people that you're playing the game with and talk to them about what they're doing. Those are your peers. And this, mm -hmm. and this is especially important when it comes to the objection that I hear so much where, oh, well, you know, I live in Poland and minimum wage here is $1.50. You know, I can't charge 500 It's like, st stop thinking about the arbitrary number your government has set on how much you're, uh, like, how little somebody is allowed to pay you. And think about the global market that you're in and the other people that you're competing with. Those are your peers. Your peers are not, is, are not the... The government that is like capping wages or whatever sorry that's my rant no no i think it was i think it's a, a great rant to have and witness um i think i i think that was very accurate looking at a global market because and you don't know your your client could be from the states or like it's it's one of those things kind of like what i said before if you devalue your own work and then you also devalue the industry. But with that being said, there have been times where I've told people my price, my price list, um, especially because the amount of time that I now have for commissions has lessened. So my prices have gone up. But I, if I can't do it, I have a very long list of people that I will refer to, um, whether they want digital, whether they want realism, traditional, if they would rather have watercolor or charcoal, or I have a whole laundry list of people. And we we know, I know them as an artist, one, because I've either been in their streams or I know them personally. I know that I know their work ethic and their styles are not only um, up to a skill level that is comparable to mine, even if I don't necessarily know their pricing, I know that the end result will be what the client will want. And that is that is huge. So instead of like hoarding <laughs> things, because people have come to me and said, listen, I, I really want to commission you for this. I know it's not in my wheelhouse. I'm not going to stress myself out for two weeks to try to get this done, learning a new medium that I really don't want to learn. And um, then 
like have a guessing game if the client is going to love it at the end when I'm already stressed for time at this point. So why not benefit one of the people that I know that has commissions available as well? Um, with that being said, like, like also make sure that their commission slots are available. Because there was one time where I did refer someone and they're like, they came back to me and they're like, yeah, they're not taking commissions right now. So try to be in communication with those other people as well. Mm. Um, but it's one of those things where um, we have to help each other. We, we have to. And um, I, I mean, I'm friends with a lot of charcoal realism artists and it's not a competition at this point. There are so many things that we can do to bolster each other. And I'm genuinely excited to see when someone breaks through a new technique or or stumbles upon a new wave of realism for themselves. And it's really exciting to see, especially in the learning process to be a part of. But this idea that we are all competitors and we can't share what's working for some of us and what's not working for some of us is just is just bullshit. I, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I, I know previously you said that cussing's okay. Um, Encouraged. It, yeah, it's just bullshit. I, I just don't agree with that type of prehistoric mindset at this point. What a lot of newer artists don't understand is that there's more jobs out there than there are artists. So the competition doesn't need to be there. It, it It's like maybe you can have a little bit of an ego game, just a friendly competition, but you don't need to be harsh. In fact, it's a rising tide lists all ships type of thing where you help each other out you end up with more work than you would if you were just working individually. Yeah. The same, the same principle, the the same principle that works for, no, the same principle that works for bars and casinos works for artists. If a, if you own a restaurant and a restaurant opens up across the street, yeah, they're your competition, but that's, you shouldn't be mad about it because now that's twice as many people that are going to be coming into the neighborhood that you're in. And that restaurant is maybe they're going to get full up. People will come over to you, vice versa. You know, this now you guys are working together. You're not at each other's throat. And hey, there's going to be a third and a fourth and a fifth restaurant on that street pretty soon too. So get used to it and learn how to like work with like all of this new opportunity that you have rather than just seeing it as this person whose you know, legs you have to chop off. And I think I think that's like one of the most like, don't get me wrong. Like, obviously, people have so much room in their bellies and in their wallets. Uh, going off the restaurant metaphor, uh, <laughs> if we continue on there, though, then why not host the block party and all, and all the restaurants divvy up like, you? okay, you have appetizers, like samples of your appetizers, and you do desserts really well. Like, why not create the community from it and feed off of each other? And I think that's one of the most amazing things about Twitter or Twitter, Twitch is <laughs> when I was new, I had no idea what a raid was like, what, what is like, what does that even mean? You raid someone that sounds so vicious. Uh, but it wasn't until I had been on for about a, maybe a week or two weeks where um, a colleague up here said, hey, you may want to start raiding people because that's how you introduce yourself. So if you think about like the terms that we use on the daily as streamers, when you raid someone, that's a handshake. That's you extending out your hand and saying, hey, this is my community. This is me as a person. Who are you? Like, what, what's your community like? That's the exact same thing as networking. We just have to, once again, reframe our minds and how we think about it. And you brought up a really good point about pricing uh, that I actually kind of want to touch back on. Um, so I've had clients in the past come to me 
And when they heard my prices, they're like, oh, that's not going to work for my budget right now. So I'll, I'll just straight up ask, ask them, what is your budget? What, what are you looking to spend? And uh, they'll, they'll let me know. And I said, well, I can't do an eight by 10, but what about a five by seven? Would that work for you? And I would say nine times out of 10, even though it's a smaller size, the, they just want my art. Like they want, they want my art and they want to cap, capture whatever moment in time that they're wanting to capture. And that works for them. So also, instead of, instead of thinking that that's the close of a conversation, if someone's like, oh, that's, that's out of my price range, just use that as another step to the conversation. Instead of closing the, the door, it's just one more step, not only to get to know them better, but to know that you're flexible enough to think outside of this construct that you've already built. Well, let's get back to some nuts and bolts again. Um, <laughs> again, going back to some questions that I sort of mined from some other communities and people that had um, some things that they would like some clarification on when it comes to marketing. Um, this concept between demographics and personas, this was something that was actually new to me. Uh, when, the, when the question was, was brought up, I didn't even recognize the concept of personas and somebody explained it to me a little bit clear. Um, the question itself was, is there ever a reason to use demographics instead of personas to define your target audience? Can you talk a little bit about about the difference between demographics and personas before you answer that question? Okay, so, well, first of all, I was actually going to ask you to clarify, like, so demographics, do you mean like by race, religion, or more like location? I guess all of the above. Okay, um, so if I feel like if you're already asking this, you kind of already know the answer. You may not understand it, but you already know. So like, let's say, if you don't mind me talking about maybe Black Lives Matter. Is that yeah. okay? Sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, you said no. I was like, oh, okay. Um, okay. So <laughs> yeah, like, ooh. as in, no, I don't mind. Okay. Am so I let's take, let's take an artist who's doing a Black Lives Matter movement piece. Um, you're going to want to target the associations, the organizations that are already uh, promoting out what you're wanting to, like what you're wanting to blast out there. So like in, in AACP or um, OPEC, well, that's a aviation organization, but finding, finding the people that you want to speak to and uplift and, and um, celebrate your artwork with is truly okay. And you have no idea where those conversations could go. They'd want, they maybe want something for their wall done or maybe something for a community gathering. You have no idea where that conversation be, would be going. Um, same thing with religion. If you're making something for like, if your main niche is religious style paintings, you already have that answer to that question. You already know that your target market for the most part are going to be the places that will want to contract you into the future. So um, I will say, yeah, there are definitely appropriate times. Demographics, kind of like what we were talking about with the sports, I would not go to Moose and say, hey, I just drew this cool Patrick Mahomes drawing. But if I ever did anything with the Ravens, then yeah, like I would want to target the people within that area. So for sure, I definitely think that there's a time and a place to target demographics. 
Um, in regards to persona, though, do do you mean like what? Maybe I should just ask what what do you necessarily mean by persona? Well, I didn't I didn't know it either, <laughs> um, but they uh, they clarified it more as the sort of like if you were to envision the the market that you're aiming towards as a as a person. Um, this is like, this is a, the persona that sort of like represents, um, the market. Does that, does that make sense? And so, oh, like, um, so like, so like rather than like demographics, just being like, well, 25% of, you know, Asian Americans and 15% of women and 5% of people between 25 and blah, blah, blah. It's more like my audience is a middle-aged housewife that reads romance novels. You know, her name is Margaret. She shops at Safeway, you know what I mean? Like, and you actually like build a character. Gotcha, Dem gotcha. De demographics will play a role in it, but you're actually like building a character based on the sort of the information um, that, that you have that allows you to like identify like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, okay, so I, I feel like as as our world develops and moves forward, uh, I feel like it gets a little trickier because now there's just not, I mean, like now category-wise, there's not just men, women, like thinking of non-binary. And um, I just actually, there was someone who came into my chat saying that they identified as neurodivergent urgent. And so like I had to do my research in, in regards to that. But the way that we have kind of structured ourselves is changing at a very rapid pace. So although I don't see character profiling as, as a bad thing, I want us to also kind of, I guess, emerge from our former constructs of what a character profile represents. And so instead of instead of having a person Mar margaret is that who you said margaret um yeah <laughs> <laughs> poor poor, having, poor margaret yeah poor margaret i'm sorry if your your name is margaret or maggie out there um <laughs> in, instead of having a person named margaret maybe base it off of interests because because i will say i have never been into D D before I think it was never really marketed towards me before. Um, not saying that it was all on on the company or on them, but for me, when I thought of D and D, I thought of a bunch of like people who play fantasy land in a basement. That's exactly what I thought of when I used to think of D and D. And now I am in my eighth session as a bard, as a <laughs> as a high elf bard, if you will. Because the conversation changed when Critical Role came out, when I started seeing more and more people. So when we look at our character profiles or targeting, I would throw out the handbook of gender identifying or, I mean, um, of identifying, of trying to pinpoint in such specific ways. I would, I would do more of overviews of interest instead of trying to build character profiles like this. Unless maybe you're working with a marketing team. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so another question. Um, the, que the original question was, should you concentrate on building audience, then create a product or create a product and then find its audience? 
Um, and I just wanted to add to that. This wasn't my question, um, but add another layer to that that question, which earlier you had talked about um, some drawings that you had done. I actually can't remember what they were for, um, but I'm I'm thinking of of an artist now who, who who maybe might not be so into like doing like the houses, you know, like drawing the houses for for real estate. But you know that they they know that there's a, a market there, um, you know, and that they can they can build something kind of upper or doing fan art. Maybe that's an even better example, doing mm-hmm. fan art mm-hmm. um, and building an audience, and then transitioning that audience into the different products, you know, more original content that they make, and then and and using the. Uh, the lift that they've gotten from the audience that they built on doing fan art to then start pivoting towards this, you know, this new kind of thing. But between that question and the sloppy additions that I made to it, do you have any, do you have any thoughts there? Uh, yeah. So when it comes to audience versus product, uh, what comes first, if you will, I say it grows together. We are creative. So we're already making the product. Um, and and I understand what you mean by as far as like fan art versus the your OCs. Um, I've actually had experience with some of that that I, I kind of touched on earlier, but I'll go a little bit more in depth in um, right now. But basically, for me, if this was a group of just chatters, not that there's anything wrong with that, but yeah, you're you are going to want to build your audience and then push out merch. Like that's that's just because you're talking. But, you know, unless you're trying to sell your podcast or what have you, your your stream is talking. You're not actually making anything. I think as as far as the art community goes, we actually kind of have a leg up on a lot of the other communities because what we're making on stream could be potential profit in that regards. <clears throat> so when it comes to us, I do think that it's a simultaneous growth. Not all the time, but especially with artists, I do believe that it is important to hone your skills, uh, get to a level where you are comfortable with, and then start then start pushing out to gain an audience. Uh, the reason I also say this is because people are going to, uh, depending on what different type of platform you're going on, I make it no secret on my stream that I hate IG. I cannot stand Instagram. I absolutely 100% hate it. I'm on it, but I hate it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like we joked about actually having a counter (laughs) to talk about how many times I actively voice how much I hate Instagram on my, on my stream. Um, The reason that I feel so strongly about this is based on, I project it. I based it off of a personal experience. So I touched on this before. I um, used to do a lot of drawings, fan art, uh, portraits. I was very into musicians. I really enjoyed actually like making myself up. Like one one time I drew Gene Simmons and I drew or I um, put the face paint on and took a picture with it. It was all fun. It was all fun the time. Um, and then one day I was very fortunate to make a contact where Alice Cooper shared my drawing of him 
And all wow. of a sudden, everything blew up. I was like, what is happening? At that point, I still had notifications on my phone. And my husband and I were watching a show or something. I was like, did someone die? Like, what happened? And it was because he had shared my post. So yeah, to the outside world, wow. Like, holy cow, I want to follow her. This is amazing. When I switched my content, and it was pretty quickly after after that because I really wanted to dive more into ink and illustration I saw a huge drop off in numbers I saw a huge drop off of, of engagement because that's not why they followed me they followed me to see more stuff like Alice Cooper that's why they wanted to follow me and when I didn't deliver on that they were like Meh. that's why social media can be so freaking fickle when mm -hmm. people see a number they think, wow, they have it made. No, <laughs> not at all. That is not, that couldn't be further from the truth. And um, I want to just reiterate how much I hate Instagram. <laughs> I'm going to build on that a little bit. Um, there's an artist out there named Chris Walton. He does amazing concept art and he also likes to, likes to paint minis and he does a great job with them. Unfortunately, he posts both to the same Instagram account. And the audience for one is not the same as the audience for the other. So every time somebody he posts something, half the audience won't like it. So Instagram thinks it's not a, a good post, but the other half will like it. And so, but it, but it is good content. But because of the way the algorithms are sorted up, and because he has a division in his audience, it's not showing to most of his audience. It's like it. The algorithm says, "Oh, this is not a good post, so I'm not going to share it to anybody after like an hour." Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Instagram sucks, and we're gonna get like a. <laughs> You're going to like this conversation. We're going to have an entire conversation with Dave Cave Draws, who has a very successful Instagram account, and how he, uh, what he thinks about it as well. Let's phrase it that, leave it that. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't wait for that conversation because I, I too am. I, as long as we're just rolling on the Instagram track, I can't even understand it anymore. It doesn't. I don't. E I, I don't even know. Like what? What is it good for at this point? I mean, I know that there are business models that I guess do use it and get something, but I don't know for artists. It just, it doesn't seem like it has, has anything to offer anymore. Like nobody buys your stuff from Instagram. No, no one, you know, like I'm, I can think of like of the hundreds, the, the thousands of artists that I follow on Instagram. I can think of like one, maybe that gets like, um, you know, transition from Instagram to like their, their store or their Patreon or, or whatever, you know, like granted, I'm not aware of what's happening with every single one of the thousands that I follow, but it, it seems like you would hear about it more. <laughs> Just to bookend my final thoughts on this, <laughs> I, when I was helping Steve sketches with his Instagram account, we were having to reach about 1 million people per week, 1 million unique people per week. Most of them were not followers. And he saw no growth to his income and he saw no growth to his Twitch channel or anything. So it was basically like, sure, he was making people happy by seeing his work. And that was something, but, and that was like a little bit of a soul nourishment type of thing, but it was also not beneficial and it wasn't worth the time that it was taking us to run the thing. Yeah. And when you think, and when you think about like the things that you hear is like growth tips for Instagram and posting every day, you know, like researching your hashtags. Okay, so now this is like the fucking fourth job that I full time job that I have to take on to figure out Instagram and I get nothing for it other than likes. 
fuck you. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, why am I doing this anymore? So I'm trying to think much less about Instagram, but it's hard. This is, I find it difficult. This is the other insidious thing is it seeps so deep into your brain that just like it becomes this autopilot thing where you're like, got something to post, got to put it on Instagram. And you're just like, your little bug brain is just like off to the races and you're not even thinking anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it, you know what? Kudos to the social media <laughs> marketers right. uh, because they have done a really well job about making you think you need these things in your life to succeed. And I will agree that if you buy ads, yeah, you're going to see more likes, but what's the ROI on like? You can't pay your rent with a like. You can't yeah. pay your rent with exposure. So really focusing in. I know a lot. Well, I shouldn't say a lot. I know two. <laughs> I know two. Uh, amazing contract artists whose following on IGs are pitiful. If you if you want to classify it that way, they make bank, but you'd never know it from their following. Uh, it doesn't. Instagram has turned away from being for visual artists, and as they've evolved with their business, trying to keep up with stuff like Facebook, YouTube, um, uh, Snapchat, uh, TikTok. They've completely um, kind of devalued what what a lot of us liked about it in the first place. Um, especially, I remember when they changed it from a format of being able to scroll and see in real time uh, pe when people posted and only like the top ones uh, from your following and littering it with ads and everything. That's when it for me made me realize I have to shift my mindset when it comes to this uh, because social media, just like all of us, it's not stagnant. As a business, they're going to evolve and develop and grow, and it may not suit our needs as it does that. And so it's very interesting that we got on this topic too, because I've also had to refocus where I spend my energy and time on. I recently just uh, ha watched a really good YouTube video about energy versus time. And kind of what you were alluding to before where to like certain days you put on your business hat, I've also had to reconstruct how I formulate my week. And instead of listing out tasks, I do it in chunks of time to make sure that I cover everything that I wanna cover, whatever I can within those chunks of time. And then that way I can tackle my tasks but I found myself spending way too much time on one task and not being able to cross it off until I move, you know, until I finish it and then can move on to the next. So I just found myself in this really weird time loop of spending so much time trying to figure out Instagram when I've maybe made three sales off of it in the past eight years, however long I've been on it. And I, I feel like for me, my biggest, uh, word of mouth following type of sharing environment has been Facebook when I look at social media as a whole. Um, I've gotten more leads off of the email um, emailing, but Instagram hasn't done shit for me. So why am I still continuously pouring in all of this time and energy into a platform that's not generating anything? So now how I look at Instagram is the ROE is a return on experience for the people who follow me. That may mean I only post one day, like every other week, 
But when I post, it's going to mean something. It's going to look pretty good. I'm going to try to spend some time on it, but it's not going to fill every other day for me like what I was trying to do before. And at least that keeps my mind a little bit more clear and sane. I'm using it to not only help my portfolio and to show at least I'm doing something uh, to potential new clients, um, but it's also uh, it's also giving me a break from thinking that Instagram has to be something that I have to crack. Because why? Yeah. Why do I have to crack it? I'm not getting anything out of it. But people who are following me are, whoever see my posts when I post them. So at least when I post, I'm going to give them something that looks nice, where it's a little bit more in depth. And if they want to like get to know me more, they can go to YouTube or they can go to Twitch or you know follow me on Patreon. But that's I've. We, I think we have to evolve as social media evolves, and that pertains to particular platforms as well. Yeah. So man. Nomad has a follow-up question to this. Oh, uh, sure. So um, if Instagram is the ROE place, then what would places for high ROI be? That depends on you. Uh, that depends on, on your uh, – and this is why – so like when, when – um, marketers when you hear people do marketing videos it kind of sounds very generic because <laughs> a marketing conversation is completely geared towards the individual or the specific company so i hate to be so broad but it really does depend on what you're doing what you're pushing out i personally have never tried reddit i've tried like tumblr a little bit but my social media has really more worked with um, facebook because Facebook to me, I have been on Facebook since you could only be on it if you were in college. That's that's how long ago I joined Facebook. They would only allow people with college emails to open up an account. I won't date myself, but that was a long time ago. Uh -huh. <laughs> Back um, when the competitor was MySpace. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we were still downloading songs on Napster. You crazy kids with all your electronics and in my cities today. <laughs> um, uh, but it, it's one of those things where that's where my heart is. I want to say that's where a lot of people where I've already cultivated those relationships dwell. And so for me, if there's something specifically towards KC, because most of my following on Facebook is, is KC related, then that's where I'll point it to. Um, but again, did they have, did they say what they do at all or? As um, in terms of the type of art that they make? Yes. Or, or like specifically, um, yeah. So I can maybe cater the answer more to them if, or um, I don't know if we have time for that. I don't know but. if they, I don't know if they did, but uh, Nomad, I think does uh, traditional painting. Oh, okay. Well, they, they, they haven't been, they haven't been streaming for too terribly long. So I couldn't say they might answer this better as far as like the actual like genre or specific subject matter, but yeah. Okay. So I, ugh, traditional, I am a traditional artist and it can be tough for us. Um, I will say not only time-wise, but shipping wise and everything that goes along with it. And I guess what's your end goal? Do you want to show in a gallery? Do you want to sell to people? Do you want to be at shows? Um, what's your subject matter? It really goes more personal into than just a blanket statement. If I could do a blanket statement, 
we'd all be rock stars. We'd all be millionaires at this point because someone would have marketed it to us and we would have all figured it out. But unfortunately, it is very individualized. So um, I'm very open to people if they want to DM me or talk to me at a later time too. Because yeah, this, I know, like, I don't want to hold up the podcast either. But well, no, this this would be a good time for me to drop a, a quick note about your Patreon, and then I want to circle back to what we actually were talking about at the beginning of this conversation, and try and sneak up on it again by asking the same question in maybe slightly different ways. Um, mm. But if you have a chance um there it will all be in the show notes but we could also uh we'll link your patreon you have a you have a consultation tier correct like you have a yeah and so if that is something that people would be interested in um it's you know just like anything else getting somebody to like sort of like help mentor you and guide you in the right direction is worth its weight in gold and this has not all been a sales pitch just for your patreon it's like right, a, it's right. a it's a genuine uh endorsement of you know being able to talk to somebody that knows what they're talking about that can start helping getting you thinking about your specific area and uh like what i said at the beginning of the stream finding your context finding your point of reference where are you even standing in this crazy muddled mess so a link to that will be in the show notes for sure. Um, while yes, you, I didn't while, know you were going to do that. Thank well, you. <laughs> and 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 while you're answering the 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 follow up question that I'm that I'm going to have, I'll actually find a a, a link um, and I'll post it in the in the chat too. Um, I for, I'm so sorry. I forgot to answer your fan art slash houses transitioning to OCs question as well, but <laughs> I kind of forgot can, to do that. Well, we can we can uh, come we can come back to that if there's if okay. there's time. Um, okay. But I but I wanted to st begin to start wrapping up again, kind of like where where we began um, in this idea of like finding your market, and you have this series of of questions that you talked about at the beginning. Um, you know, what do you what do you want to accomplish, and who do you want to target? You have a few more questions, but those are sort of like the top ones that like get people started. Um, coming out of this or you know dragging yourself kicking and screaming out of this social media mindset into different ways of marketing your art um what are some some other things maybe that we haven't talked about yet or to even maybe like reclarify some of the things that we have already talked about uh that uh people can think about getting a, a better understanding of who their market is outside of social media, or if it is like on Facebook and a group or whatever. Um, one thing, one thing that you, you, you alluded to that we talked about before stream was uh, local connections. Um, and over the course of this, we've talked a little bit about, you know, what local connections can mean even on a global scale. Um, you're not, you know, limited to your neighborhood necessarily. Like there are ways that you can, find you know local connections that might not necessarily even be in your city so i don't know like the head cold is starting to mess with me a little bit but smash all that together and pretend that it was a question <laughs> <laughs> start um, go <laughs> now i know now i know how my community feels when i start to to uh 
if, ask them things but not actually ask them anything i'm blaming um, the congestion <laughs> no I, I i feel you i've actually had to like pause a couple of times with this chest cold um but so so from what i'm gathering you're asking is um basically when i say local market i don't necessarily I, well for me personally i do mean local as far as like who's in your neighborhood. If you make greeting cards, what shops could you go to? If you make paintings, traditional paintings, people need stuff to hang on their walls. It's 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 just going in. If you're already at a dentist's office and uh, let's say you specialize in um, landscape portraiture or landscape portraiture, oh gosh, <laughs> the cold medicine, uh, but landscape art, maybe just like slide a business card to the front desk person or start up a conversation with them. Um, I don't mean to say like everywhere you go, like hand out your business card in a frenzy, but it's one of those things where if you don't introduce yourself to wherever you're at, wherever you're at, whether it be on the digital field or in a personal space, how are they going to know what you do? And so that's like really the first thing is that introduction. Join join a group. Like if you already have an interest in and um, let's let's bring up the fantasy art again. If you already have an interest in in fantasy art, like I know because I researched that um, a couple, I want to say maybe like 0.3 miles away from me is a space dedicated to people who want to run their D and D campaigns. Something like that. Just mm -hmm. say hello. Don't go in there with the mindset I'm going to sell everything and. No, just say hi. Just start up an introduction. If that doesn't feel comfortable for you, maybe just join their Facebook group and 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 just see how they interact with each other. Get a lay of how the group dynamic is even. Uh, join a hand lettering circle if that's if your interest is in calligraphy or uh, book illustration. Um, there are so many opportunities to get involved with our local communities first and foremost that I don't think that we really um, and granted, I know that it's a little different right now during pandemic, but I don't think that we really uh, take advantage of. So first and foremost, so we did touch on Facebook groups uh, or groups of any type of thing. I mean, I, I don't know Reddit that, <laughs> that well, but I feel like if someone posts a topic, then what could happen is a, a whole bunch of other people start commenting, upvoting, or however it works on Reddit. And all of a sudden, it's a conversation with how many people in this on this one topic on this one thread. Um, it's, it's joining more concentrated conversations than it is posting and just hoping the ether will find its way to someone who, who wants to see it. Is that <laughs> in, in the uh, context of DND, uh, DND is actually one of the largest communities on Reddit. Oh, well, there have, you go. They have 2 million or so users, like 2.5 million. Oh my and r slash um, gaming is the other one, which technically can include DND, but doesn't always, um, is also one of the largest ones. So there's definitely an audience out there for DND and fantasy and all that stuff. So you can talk to them on Reddit. The downside is art on r slash dd is so popular that even good quality art if posted at the wrong time of day will be seen by nobody mm -hmm. well and and that's a thing that's a thing is is kind of knowing um 
I don't want to say trends, but kind of what's going on in the community. Like what what's, what's an area of conversation topic. Um, I will say too, that even being in someone's stream community can be very beneficial. I've actually, um, I'm looking at commissioning a piece from one of the people who has been with me since like week two, because her art style is completely different than mine. And I would love for my character to be drawn because I can't do it. That's not what I specialize in. I, I'm not good at fantasy art, but she's amazing at it. So even conversations like that, um, it doesn't have to be something where, well, they're an artist, they would never commission me. No, I, I can't I, I can't really do watercolor either. So it's just one of those things um, where even if we're even if we establish ourselves as an artist, uh, that doesn't mean that someone wouldn't be able to hire you for a sculpture that you are making or for um, an oil painting that you were that you are wanting to produce as well. You just you never know what conversation will touch someone to, um, I guess, have them think of you in the future, either. <laughs> do you ever do you ever find that audiences are silent? Um, uh, somebody had asked a question, um, people when giving advice about marketing often talk about taking feedback from your audience and acting on that, but how do you deal with no feedback crickets, especially if you feel like you've tried everything or don't know what to try next? So that one's a tough one because I think, um, for a lot of us, we think of the audience that we have as our followers, subscribers people who are on social media, we can get feedback from anyone in our physical community as well. That is also our audience, if you will. It's a lot of times, a lot of people in my circle are not creatives. <laughs> and so it's kind of nice to know, like if I, like how would you perceive this if, if this was posted? Would you scroll by it? Or would you, like let's have an open dialogue about this. Don't feel like you're gonna offend me. And the trick is, to not be offended by what they say, unless they're just deterred about it. But it's one of those things where you have to have an open conversation with someone. So why not pick the people that are the closest to you who aren't afraid to give you feedback? Now, it could be something where you're not looking in the right spot. Maybe you're not using the right hashtag or whatever you need to use. And that's kind of where you would have a conversation with someone who is more geared towards social media advertising and marketing. Um, that's not my bag per se. Mine is more about connection and um, getting you to talk to the right type of people instead of how to advertise on this site. Um, <clears throat> but I will say that some of the people around you are your biggest supporters. They're going to want you to succeed and they may already have thoughts about what you're doing. You just haven't asked them so they didn't want to offer it up. Mm. Um, I think, um, okay, so I also uh, think, um, sorry, I'm like kind of skimming through my notes right now just to make sure I touch on everything. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> so like we talked about before with the four Ps, some, one of those four Ps might be thrown off. So we talked about, um, and maybe it's the pricing, maybe, maybe for where you're at right now, you are pricing too high. Maybe your skill level isn't at where your pricing should meet. That is where a tool like this, like the book, I swear, it, I feel like I'm peddling this a lot, but <laughs> this book, 
This book is so good. The pricing and ethical guidelines handbook is so good at making sure that you are not going way, way too high or way, way too low with your pricing because it goes both ways. Maybe you're outpricing yourself. Maybe, maybe the way, um, maybe the way an email reads isn't the most personable. And I know, I know sometimes when we're, we're sending something over with words, instead of saying it, it can come off different than how we're meaning. So that's a good opportunity to have a couple of your friends or close people by you to look over an email blast that you're going to send out or look over a post that you're going to make. Um, and a lot of it, unfortunately, with social media is about the analytics. So knowing the people that you already have, the people that you who are already following you, um, you could post something on your IG story about the about um, you know what content like involve involve the community that you already have, and hopefully that will also help to generate new ideas for you and start to grow your content more as well. Um, I think I think people, especially right now, want conversation and. Um, platforms like Instagram, that's why they put a live feature. That's why they put stories. That's why they are making themselves more than just a platform where you scroll and heart, you know, double click. Um, that's why a lot of platforms are starting to look the same. Why a lot of platforms have the streaming capabilities, the story capabilities, because people want a connection with whomever is exuding out. So it's one of those things I would definitely say to ask the people around you if you don't feel like you have a following yet. Yeah, I feel like there's always somebody to ask. Mm -hmm. And the more that you're asking and the more that you're talking, the more you'll sort of be led down the trails to other people to ask and other people to talk to. It's kind of one of those things that it's it's always put in this sort of hokey way of, you know, like, well, if you, man you know, if you... I if you, you can manifest it, you speak it into the universe and you'll manifest it, you know, like all those kinds of like silly things. But it is kind of true that like once you start putting that energy out there, you start those conversations, they lead to more conversations and more conversations. And then you find yourself in places that you hadn't even like known existed. You know, like I, mm -hmm. you've mentioned Facebook a, a few times and, and kind of as a result of some things that, that you've said, like, in the past, like before this podcast and things that other people have said, I've kind of found my way back to Facebook after thinking that was, as you said before, antiquated, a totally lost cause, you know, and I've found my way into communities that I'm like, oh, I never knew this was there. And oh, yeah, there's like all of this like great stuff and great people to talk to. And you know, mm -hmm. so and, th and this isn't to say like, oh, go forth in Facebook, young right, person, right. but it, it's it's more to say that like. There's always there's things that you haven't found out about yet. There's lots of things that you haven't found out about yet. So just you got to start the conversation. Don't expect all the information to come tomorrow. Um, before, and, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just no. going to say really quickly one more that kind of just popped into my head. Ask your fellow artists. Uh, mm -hmm. I know that mm -hmm. a lot of us in the community are very open. Like we have, we all have a Discord. It seems like now. And I mean, I didn't even know what Discord was until I joined uh, Twitch, but like we all have probably a channel within our discords to share or to talk, to have a conversation. 
So find a streamer that resonates with you or your style, or maybe they said something in their stream um, or someone who may have an Instagram, but they also have a Discord. Like try to start up a conversation with, don't be annoying about it, but try to start up a conversation because I, I feel like they would also try to give you feedback. And whenever someone asks me, for um, a review, like a portfolio review, I have. I also have a list of people within my brain and my arsenal to say, yeah, these people have them as channel point redemptions. I know that they have a specific channel that on their Discord that they will like actively talk to you about. Maybe they have a service on their Patreon. So it's also finding those avenues within our own community to be able to have those conversations as well. Mm -hmm. Well, Moose, did you have anything? I only have one more question left, but <laughs> Moose, do you, you got anything? Yeah, so I'm going to actually nicely ties into what you were just talking about. Um, so personally, I don't have anything to gain from all this networking, but I understand that people will be hesitant to do the networking because you know, networking has a negative connotation as you're trying to get something from them. So when I go out to network with somebody, network, um, I will, go, when I watch somebody stream, I'll say, well, how can I help them? What information can I give them? Or can I connect them with somebody that would be helpful to them? And that's how people get to know me. And then later, if I needed to help, get that person's help to help somebody else, they'll generally say, okay, this is what Moose is doing here. He's not trying to you know, get one over on me. He's not trying to uh, waste my time. This is what he does. So for artists themselves, what they can do is they can directly try to help that person. Like, oh, you're new to Twitch? Here's what you need to know about rating. That sort of thing. Or um, if somebody comes into your chat and starts demanding stuff from you, you can tell them, you know, that, that you're not being cool right now, and uh, you know, uh, chill out, and you, it's okay to ban people. That sort of thing. <laughs> uh, so think about it as we're networking as uh, an introduction. Being instead of starting off with asking what that person can do for you, asking what you can do for that person. That sounds like a presidential speech or something. <laughs> It's so true. It's so true, though. And that that also ties into the authenticity. You're going to quickly find out the people that are in it for themselves quickly. Um, they're going to make that very loud and proud most of the time, I should say, not everyone, but most of the time you're going to you're going to figure out the people who are just wanting to talk to you to get to the next level of their career, wherever that may be. And then just to like kind of dump you off. Um, but I will say, I will say, though, that um, the more you interact with people and the more you just have op very open conversations, the more it's going to kind of peek out who's actually there to try to connect and like for for whatever reason um, or who's really just in it for themselves. And I will say that um, you're not always going to see those people. It, it can be very disheartening when it happens. I think I think a lot like a lot of us have probably had experiences of that, but um, it's one of those things where it's life. You're going to always like, no matter what job you're in, you're going to have those people who are going to use you or try to use you as a stepping stone to the next, to the next level. And unfortunately that's something we can't change. And something I like to focus on with my community is to ask them, all right, well, what is within your control right now? Like you feel like this, this is happening. What can you do to take a step back and like put it back to to a place where you feel like you can make an action plan and take those steps 
for a little bit of sanity as well. <laughs> oh. And just to add real quick, um, I wanted to mention that uh, people will often come into the chat and ask for things immediately. Like they'll ask mm -hmm. for a portfolio review. They'll ask for you to, to correct their drawing. Tell you tell them how what doing wrong they're doing wrong with the shading, or what the colors are better. That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And this is why a lot of streamers now have uh, point systems inside of chat, where the longer the person watches, the more they accrue these points, and then they can spend them to redeem these sorts of tasks. Otherwise, the artist ends up spending their time, whether it's five minutes or 30 minutes or an hour helping this person. And then that person pieces out and you never see that person ever again. Mm -hmm. So one of the things you can do, even in, as, a, as an artist, is when you're watching somebody else's stream, like let's say you watch Evan, Evan Mel Amundsen's stream, right? He's an awesome artist. He does you know, professional work for Magic the Gathering. And he has, he has a really fun stream. What can you offer him? Well, you can just be an authentic person. You can start talking to him. You can be content in, in the sense of, you're providing uh, discussion in the community for him. And then he can get to know you by you being a genuine person and actually knowing what you're talking about, if you know what you're talking about. And will he come out and help you out like uh, just because he knows who you are? I don't know, maybe not, but you don't have to seek that from him. But just maybe he'll like say something that uh, does inspire you later and then you can ask him a question, then he'll respond to it. That's what you get out of him, get out of him. But mm -hmm. this is all from genuine interactions rather than uh, some kind of uh, calculating procedure to get anything out of somebody. What this show is, or this podcast is, is calculating measure to get something out of people. That's why we bring on intel intelligent guests. But, <laughs> yes. but Twitch, Data mining. Twitch in and of itself is more genuine than this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's really important to point out, especially if if a person has been streaming for a while, they they know. Like they can tell. They can they can pretty much tell right away why you're asking these questions and like if if you're just truly just wanting something from them and it gets draining. If you get that a lot in your stream, it's draining, which is which is why it's good to have those um fail safes for you, either channel points or you know, just having a mod kindly remind them, you know, to to not just berate you with questions all the time. Um, when you when you present yourself as a knowledgeable person, it's going to happen. People are going to want information, and it's not necessarily coming from a bad place. It's not necessarily because they think, oh, yay, now I'm going to, you know, deplete this person of all their energy. It's because they genuinely want to know but then they don't realize the repercussions that it could have on the person putting it out there. Because then when we do see you bounce, it's like, all right, well, I feel used. And it's very draining after a while if you encounter that a lot. So yeah, it's always good to be mindful and genuine with your interactions. And that's that's why you should treat each person with just decency, <laughs> I feel. Mm -hmm. So I completely agree, Moose. I completely agree. Um, well. This has been great. Um, I feel like we will have you on again. I am a big fan of asking the same questions over and over again, like I said before, in slightly different ways um, to try and kind of like keep piecing the puzzle together. And sometimes it takes that sort of like reapproach to things for me to get things to click. Um, also, you know, later 
episodes will reach different audiences. So I feel like it's always worth reviewing this. And you're you talk very eloquently and uh, generously about these topics. So I think that that would be if you were willing, I think that'd be something cool to keep in mind for the future. Um, I to, love that. To, to wrap up, though, I just have one more question. Uh, not having anything to do with marketing necessarily or any of your own personal project, what's one thing in the world that's exciting for you right now? What's happening? Um, Joe, wow. Biden, Joe Biden doesn't count. <laughs> I was going to say, this, this could be, this could no. be a whole plethora of things. Um, <laughs> but since you stated that, I won't have to restate it. Um, <laughs> no, right. I think... I think the direction of these conversations, I think to me today, and I'm not trying to blow smoke up your butt, but to me today, this conversation was truly something that I was genuinely nervous about, but also looking forward to, because it's so important that we talk about these things and, um, and have, and have these topics of conversations in our face to get different perspectives and viewpoints. Because again, it depends on what you're wanting to do in the in the end goal. But I also I also want to say, um, that's I don't know why I'm having so much problem. I think right now what I'm most excited for, I just finished an inking challenge. I finished Stream Ink uh, mm-hmm. in October with a group of creators here on Twitch. And I want to say, even though it depleted me a lot, I ended up streaming almost every day um, wow. with that. But the connections I made from that with other streamers, I have never been a part of such a huge collaboration before. And usually after a project, like after I, I participated in Inktober 2018 and 19, and I, I was done. Like I was done for almost like two weeks after that. But something like this, we were exhausted together. So it was like, uh, it was like um, a collaboration of insanity. <laughs> and um, we were able to, to just be there for one another. And I think that harnessed this um, realization in me that the majority of us just want all of us to, to be better, do better, have better today than we did yesterday. And it was a really good reminder to me that a lot of people out there are just trying to survive just like I am. So. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. I, that was, I caught bits and snips of it around various streamers platforms and it was really cool to see happening. And I can, I've never completed an Inktober all the way through. And I just, I, I didn't, I, I, I couldn't this year for various reasons, but. I I know that exhaustion that you're feeling about, and it's such a good feeling. You know, it's that exhaustion of that comes with a huge amount of pride and sense of accomplishment, as well as just mm-hmm. like physical and mental exhaustion. So mm-hmm. That's super cool. Um, For sure. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been great. <laughs> two hours flew by like nothing, and I feel like we could go for another two hours. Um, but I'm going to hit the end uh, record button right there, and we'll see you soon, Farley. Thank you.